Hello, this is Pastor John Edding. For those who live in the United States, happy Labor Day weekend. I am picturing people gathering together, you know, perhaps in the backyard for barbecue with family or enjoying a camping trip with friends. Somehow, when I read Jeremiah today, I cannot see him at the party, much less being the life of the party. He wasn't a popular guy. In fact, he was downright repellent to the hearers of his day. God called Jeremiah to a life of solitude and to deliver his word to the people in spite of the world's rejection. Today's message may challenge you, dear Christian, if you find yourself going along to get along in our culture today. Instead, may you hear God's word and be emboldened to proclaim the precious gospel of Jesus. And may you cast all your faith on Christ and on nothing else. And on life everlasting. Amen. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. A man invested thousands of dollars in a well to water his beautiful yard and garden. Immediately upon drilling the well, and before the state-mandated water test came back, he and his wife, they eagerly watered their whole property. To their dismay, it all turned brown and died. The sample sent to the state resulted in a crew coming out to weld the wellhead shut. It was an arsenic well toxic to anything that ingested it. Wells can disappoint us. Jeremiah turns to God in frustration and anger today because this at least is in his mind. Is the the rebuke that is happening to him, the rejection from the people around him, And this is happening, he's frustrated um, because he's doing what God is asking him to do. And he feels like God is like a failing brook. When the water ran, it promised refreshment and something to drink. And when it got hot and dry, the brook dried up, leaving poor Jeremiah thirsty and in danger. And Jeremiah had a popularity problem. Uh, You could say that uh, he was always eating alone in in the school or work cafeteria. Nobody, Nobody liked him. He was an outcast to the people. He was isolated. And he feels like God has dried up for him. We see this in verse 17. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone. Because your hand was upon me, for you have filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Jeremiah wonders if God is a deceitful brook, a water that fails to deliver when he needs it most. 
Now, this is just not the musings or the speculation of an armchair theologian. Uh, Jeremiah was at the end of a long and difficult uh, trail, staring at a dusty, dry spigot. And he had followed all the rules. And when God had given him a message to proclaim, he had proclaimed it. But that had only brought him more and more trouble. You read all about this, about his troubles in his long and sometimes sorrowful book by the same name, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was persecuted, hunted down, nearly killed, imprisoned, humiliated, and betrayed. Now, he did not suffer for doing wrong. He suffered for doing the right thing, what God had commanded him to do. And these words find Jeremiah turning around to God and wondering, is God really going to save him? Will God leave him high and dry when the crunch time comes? Jeremiah insists that, again, he's done everything right and feels like he has suffered for his adherence to God, but it has not resulted in any gain or benefit for Jeremiah. Is God using him? Does God really care? This seems to be what he's asking. Jeremiah seems to be suffering from a misexpectation of God. He, he seems to have thought that if he did the right things, by God, things would go better, or at least be improving. This is not entirely unfounded on his part. The, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, certainly the Proverbs can sound that way. Uh, if we honor and obey our parents, we will live long lives. We read that in the fourth commandment. And Luther expounds on that in our catechism. But in Jeremiah's case, uh-uh, it was not so. I think Jeremiah really wanted to be liked. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> we can relate to Jeremiah's words. Jeremiah's lonely. He's looking for you know, a little popularity, a, a friend. He wants someone to see his ministry, appreciate it, and congratulate him. He's tired of bearing reproach of sitting alone in the classroom or the lunchroom, the outcast all alone, the outcast from society. God does not give him this. And so Jeremiah expresses his disappointment with God. Does our own Christian expression even allow for this sort of disappointment? Uh, or do we tell people that Christians never feel these things? Are, are we subtly are not so subtly telling them that these feelings are not Christian feelings. No, no, can't show our disappointment with God. Well, what if our family or friends are, um, are feeling like Jeremiah? What if you are feeling like Jeremiah? Where in your life does God seem like a disappointing well or a deceitful brook? Where you promise something in 
Sunday school or sermons past that you may have either misheard or which in fact, which was in fact an, an erroneous promise. Uh, did you come with an understanding that being a Christian should make life better? Did you imagine that the Holy Spirit's presence would make your fight against sin always victorious? Did you think that Christians don't get divorced or have affairs? Did you think your children or grandchildren should not be walking the prodigal road after training them in the way they should go? What disappointment would you express today? We might be feeling the same way as Jeremiah. And like Jeremiah, we might be saying, we could use a little help down here, God. (laughs) And we might be wondering what God will do. God's answer to Jeremiah are words to us too. And his answer starts in verse 19. And we can take a look at this. You'll notice that God's response to Jeremiah's statement of disappointment is what we want to focus on here. First of all, it is good to note that Jeremiah is called to return to God, verse 19. That is a call to repentance. But it is also a promise. In the big picture, God promises Jeremiah that he will stand before God. The divine word, precious and true, which Jeremiah utters, shall not be overturned. And this means that they shall turn to Jeremiah, and not the other way around. God likens Jeremiah to a fortified wall uh, of bronze against which the attacks of his enemies will break to pieces. Again, it's important to, to note here that Jeremiah's complaint was that he was not popular. This is not a picture of popularity, but of conflict, of rejection, uh, even animosity on the part of those who lived in his days. But God makes a promise. It's the title of the sermon, our sermon. And interestingly, it's the words which Jesus spoke at the end of the gospel, according to Matthew, and the name which the angel gave to him in the dream. Uh, Joseph had at the beginning of the, um, also in the Old Testament. I am with you. We see this in verse 20 and 21. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Let's look again at verse 20, and especially that phrase, I am with you. In a wooden, literal translation, it would be, but with you, I. The use of the personal pronoun at the end of the phrase is emphatic. I. I am with you. God doesn't promise popularity to Jeremiah. He promises presence I am with you. We need this promise of presence over popularity. Uh, No one seems to like, you know, 
your and my Christianity anymore, uh, we might be even somewhat afraid that you know our neighbors might be start. They would start digging around on the Lutheran Church uh, website, LCMS website, and will show up to church on a Sunday, you know, um, on a Sunday morning with homophobe, trans haters spray painted on our front door. God tells you and me today that you should not be worried about that. Rather, you should worry about the truth and the word that is valuable. It alone has the ability to save you and those who hate you. Who would have thought, you know, seven, uh, eight years ago, anyone would have a problem believing what God says. Um, Like, for example, in Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Especially that last part, he created us male and female. Many people in our culture, dare say popular culture, are drinking from the well of gender ideology. Talk about an arsenic well. What is especially troubling are the children and the minors that are drinking from that poisoned well and are getting hurt. Now, biological reality, um, God made us male and female, is a lot like the reality of the law of gravity, how that reality that that law expresses. So as Christians, we can remain calm because there will be a day when biological truth or reality will cause people to stop and say, what are we doing? And until that day comes when the wellhead is, that wellhead is welded shut, and I pray that day will come soon, we can maintain a faithful presence. But don't expect to find cultural acceptance and don't expect to win a popularity contest. But dear Christian, look to yourself as well. As Paul warns, In Galatians 6, verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So how do we do this? How do we restore others and not be tempted to drink from a poison? Well, well, as we are keeping a watch on yourself, you can, like Jeremiah, eat God's word. What I mean by that is you can internalize God's word and let it become a joy and a delight to you. Let it become, like for Jeremiah, a love of your life. So that even when God seems like a deceitful brook, you do not lose hope. You do not give up. Rather, you eat God's word and let that become a joy and delight to you because it points you to Jesus and let it become to you a light in a dark place that you do not give up and lose hope. Then like God said to Jeremiah, stick stick to your principles. They will not prevail. They will turn to what you are saying. You will not turn to them. And then, then, 
Say to yourself or to the person who has drunk from the culturally poisoned well, say something like this. You know, this reminds me of the story of a Samaritan woman who was drinking from the well of one failed relationship after another. And one day she met Jesus. Jesus offered to her living water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What is, what may be especially galling to you, to me, the Christian, who practices this faithful presence in the world, is that the resistance you encounter, even the persecution you endure, is largely rooted in a faithful reading proclamation and living out of God's revealed word. In doing what God asks, it seems we are hated more. Is it supposed to be that way? Well, God tells us, yes, but it does not matter. The broken world cannot hear and accept what he says, but what he says calls people to himself. And that word in the church which proclaims the word, will stand. Remember from last week, Jesus builds his church. And God is with that person who proclaims that word. You are not promised popularity, but God's presence. Jesus said, I am with you to the very end of the age. But God makes a promise. It's the title again of our sermon. And interestingly, the words which Jesus spoke at the end of the gospel of Matthew. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you. Of course, those words are associated with baptism. For Jeremiah and teaching of the word, and for Jeremiah that meant that they would not finally prevail against him. Not not really. The fact that we are reading his words over 2,500 years later is a testament to that. But so is Jeremiah's resurrection and his eternal life, won by that Jesus who is with us. God does indeed deliver him from the hand of the wicked and the grasp of the ruthless death, which seems now to have him. And there are many who would claim our allegiance. This sermon says that come hell or high water, stick with Jesus. He's the only one who can really help us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.